our modern world and especially our modern corporate world is all about intellect. And it's dazzling, human intellect, and our ability to solve problems, our adaptability of thinking, um, uh, you know, our fluid intelligence of being able to run different lines of inquiry at the same time. But it's, it's weighted into just one aspect of the human system, and there can be a disconnect between all our other forms of intelligence. Hello, and welcome to Every Moment is a Choice. I'm your host, Erica Behel and I invite you to join me on a transformative journey to uncover the extraordinary potential that lies within every single moment of our lives. From the choices we make in our relationships, careers, and personal growth, to the mindset we embrace in the face of adversity, this podcast will empower you to embrace the notion that every moment holds a choice, and it's up to us to seize it. Join me as we engage in insightful conversations with thought leaders, experts, and everyday people who have harnessed the power of choice to achieve greatness, overcome obstacles, and create extraordinary lives. If you feel inspired by this episode, please read it and consider subscribing. I'm keen to know how it's impacted you. Every Moment is a Choice is a podcast and a philosophy about intentionality and choices. And I am very excited today to have someone who also thinks very deeply about intentionality, from a slightly different perspective, and I'm so thrilled that she's here. Her name is Danielle Vandeveld. Hello, Danielle. Hi, Erica. So happy to be here too. It's good to see you. Thank you. So for those who don't know, Danielle is a meditation teacher, a healer, a transformative leader, and a coach. And she's here today to help us unlock some learning about how you can access your spiritual self. Even for those of us who may not consider ourselves very spiritual or very in tune or meditators. And this is not, I would say this is not a conversation for the converted, right? So this is for listeners who consider themselves logical, rational people who may be open to considering what role spirituality and meditation can play in their quest for intentionality. Welcome again, Danielle. Thank you. Let's get into it. This is my favorite topic. Yes. (laughs) So I would like to start off with, you know, you work with lots of people, individuals, companies, organizations, and schools. Yep. What's the biggest question you get from people who are new to meditation or have never meditated before? It's a good question. And I actually think that primary question that I receive is changing a little bit. And it's it's very much connected with what's going on in the world, uh, stresses like, uh, you know, world anxiety and so on, especially when I'm dealing with groups. Um, but I would say with my private clients, there is, since COVID, there have been a lot of questions around purpose, uh, purpose and place, and uh, what should I be doing with my life? I feel like COVID has given me a bit of a wake-up call, but I don't know where I should be leading. So we do a lot of coaching around finding your purpose and making choices and gently steering your life towards a more purpose-led life. And we know through research that, you know, that then invokes a whole lot of health benefits and sense of connectivity and sense of fulfillment and so on. Of course, I I do, as a healer, as an Asui Reiki master, I deal with a lot of people that are dealing with physical stuff. So that can range from, you know, cancer and uh, chronic illness to uh, even going beyond what Western medicine can do and preparing for passing over. I work with women with fertility issues. Um, I work with people with uh, mental unrest and uh, and coping with neurodiversity. And it really is a whole range because the way that I – I really view when we're talking about working with individuals, you know, the mind, body, emotional, energetic and spiritual complex is one self-organizing system. Mm-hmm. And we can heal from any of those points within the system as well. And uh, we heal a lot better and a lot more congruently when we're approaching our healing journey from a number of those different aspects. So we're taking steps to look after the body, we're taking steps to look after the mind. We're taking steps to look after our emotional regulation and and where I'm particularly interested is what I write about and what my podcast is about is taking steps to look after the spiritual aspect. 
And um, I really see the spiritual aspect as a key pillar, just as important as diet, as movement, as the content we absorb, as the company that we keep and so on. But for corporates and groups, uh, the big one when I work with um, leaders and leadership forums is still around stress. It's still around good stress, bad stress. How do I know when my system is overstressed? What are things that I can do naturally to circuit break that stress expression and reset into a more regulated nervous system? And I, I would say that's probably still the most predominant corporate type well-being uh, talk or workshop that I do. Um, but I am getting some really much more interesting type requests too. Like I, I was speaking with a, I had a brief with a large global organisation last week. I'm doing the proposal this afternoon where they're quite interested in understanding heart intelligence and how heart fields operate within groups. And so we, you know, we in the commentary we hear about compassionate leadership and so on, but there actually is a growing amount of science coming alongside our ability to measure what are the energy fields that are actually emanated from the heart and how they interplay with other people that we're engaging with or that we're even in the same space with. I'm finding, I find that absolutely fascinating. And there's great measurement now with places like the Heart Math Institute. Our ability to measure different forms of energy that are emanated or received from the body um, is getting finer and finer. And with that, I think we're seeing a resurgence of some of these very old traditions, you know, that were cottoning onto that thousands mm -hmm. of years ago, which I find absolutely delicious. You know, I shared on my social media the other day that I had this hilarious experience, hilarious and gorgeous for me, where I was giving a leadership uh, group, a group of founders and entrepreneurs to talk about stress and stresses. And the conversation after the facilitated meditation turned very much into the chakras and energy and how the chakras govern different correspondences within our lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was almost the most animated part of the discussion. So I, I think there is, in my observation, a growing appetite or curiosity to understand our spiritual and energetic self beyond just meditating to sleep or de-stress because it's, I, I really regard it as starting to meditate and to tap into your energetic well-being as just at the starter gate of yeah. what then opens up and what's possible for you. Yeah. The other thing that I'm seeing, which I find exciting too, is I, I'm an Asui Reiki master, as I mentioned, so I, I teach Reiki. And I've written a course which has the traditional Asui Reiki, but it's also got psychic development and intuitive coaching in there as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, more and more... I guess Western experts are signing up. So psychologists, psychotherapists, um, people in education, uh, people in different forms of healing, but they want to add in the energy aspect to the healing. And so I think that's really telling. I can see that demographic has shifted definitely over the last five years, more men yeah. as well. Yeah. And uh, what I think that's speaking to is people are starting to, first of all, the mainstream understanding of the basics of meditation, the psychophysical connection is established. Mm -hmm. And I think people are going, okay, well, what's after that? And what does that open up in my life? And and so that's why I absolutely love teaching classes like psychic development, like listening to your intuition, because I do feel that once we have a mastery over the mind and its impact on the body, we're then able to move our awareness much more effectively and kind of actively into some of these other aspects of the self, which is our intuitive mind, our creativity, our creative mind as well. Mm -hmm. And all of that is accessed via your beautiful mantra, which is intentional choice. But you need to have some mastery over your system first. Yeah. It's like wanting to run a marathon, but you're not fit. Yeah. Just like diet, just like exercise, just like developing your mind or learning a new skill, there needs to be repetition in the in the initial practices of basic meditation. Yeah. I think it's so wonderful that you, yet you are finding that so many people, and maybe it's the COVID effect, yep. are, are curious when, you know, executives, leadership teams. I mean, this just feels, I worked in corporate for 18 years. You know, you had a corporate past as well. It just feels like something that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago. 
except in you know certain corporations might maybe, but that there's a, a, a distinct curiosity about that. And, yep. and when you mentioned kind of the, the fact that meditation is going mainstream, I have to admit, I sometimes use ASMR on YouTube to fall asleep. Yep, love it. <laughs> so, you know, surface level, yeah, kind yeah. of this will, the voice will just relax me or yeah. the tapping will just relax yeah. me. Or the sizzling food or the or, bubble wrap cracking or, or, yeah. or all the weird ASMR they have Yeah, around. it's pretty weird, but it is quite hypnotic, isn't it? <laughs> but it seems like these, these things just exploded after COVID or during COVID when I think a, a, just a, a worldwide need. I do agree. I mean, there are different measurements for what you could call the spiritual industry. Mm. And, you know, you need to look at what the metrics are for the measurement, but whether that includes as well, like merchandising and that sort of thing, or whether it's just sort of like the industry of spend, if you like, in um, meditation classes, yoga classes, these kind of, I guess, what we would call either holistic or alternative pursuits. It's the fastest growing industry in the world. Mm. And one of the reasons for that, amongst many other things, is the COVID effect and people seeking alternative forms of staying well and healing outside of the pharmaceutical model. Mm. And also, I think with the COVID effect, with so much of the politics and the disquiet around the vaccines and so on, there seems to be a level of distrust as well. Mm with with the traditional pharmaceutical models. And so, you know, the commentary is saying that that's one of the main reasons why the spiritual industry has become the fastest growing industry around the world. And I, I think, though, that I think we all know there's something more, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's how we met. Yeah. Isn't it? We yeah, met absolutely. on your healing journey and you went to a, a retreat. How long ago was that? It was in March of 2022. Okay, gosh, you've got a good 18 memory. 18 months ago. 18 months ago, yeah. yeah. Bendy time. But yeah. but that's how we met. And uh, where you you were on top of your healing journey, you knew the choices you had to make, mm. but you knew there was more. Yeah. You know, you knew that there was a different way that you could engage with your system beyond your body. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like you said, for an, for a non woo woo, you dove into it, didn't you? But but I have to say, I'm the same though. Like, I've got a law and finance background. I walked worked in corporate for years, but I always did have this sort of parallel, private, you know, just absolute curiosity and insatiable appetite for exploring different spiritual texts, finding different teachers, experimenting with different methods of the mind and the body and the energy and. Uh, and then, so my mind is very interrogative as well. And yeah. and I really like measurement too. And that's the way I teach. So I like to bring in the neuroscience. I like to bring in the psychophysical, especially around the breath particularly. And, that, and, and that's a fantastic access point for people who, who have never meditated before and who can't sit still. Um, we can talk about that in a mm-hmm. sec. Mm-hmm. But For me personally, my mind needs a bone to chew on so I can then drop into whatever the practice is that I'm trying. And uh, and I I think it's good to be a bit interrogative because I think there's a lot of froth and bubble out there as well. And so I think it's really good to interrogate what modality you're looking at, how does it work, who are the masters in that modality, what do they have to say. Uh, it's, it's very important to interrogate whatever it is that you're choosing to bring into your life as, as a new life would have it. It's like a diet. Yeah. So you, you look at it and you look at the research and you look at the people that have had success with it and you, and you, you need to be discerning. I like the word discerning because yeah. like you said, there is so much out there. Yep. I think I'm not the only one who at a certain point when I was burned out in my corporate career and had been through a serious illness and everything. And I, I knew there was something else. I was not a religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't consider myself a spiritual person because I equated religion and spirituality quite yep. closely. Yeah, a lot of people Perhaps because do. of my background as a Catholic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking at that time, a realization that I couldn't think my way Yep. out of the situation I was in anymore. Cause that was just like the same brain that got me into the problem was not going to get me out of the problem. Yep. And that I needed to do more body work. And yeah, I, I think it's telling that I had, I had a wonderful therapist and she said, Erica, you think, but you very rarely feel. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm the only one. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, well, I mean. So we're talking about like baby steps, you know, for people who are just getting into this. I'm, I'm very curious, you know, about how, how people can start to access this. Yeah, I am a great therapist and uh, and I think that's true of most of us to some degree because yeah. our modern world and especially our modern corporate world is all about intellect and it's dazzling human intellect and our ability to solve problems, our adaptability of thinking, um, uh, you know, our fluid intelligence of being able to run different lines of inquiry at the same time. But it's it's weighted into just one aspect of the human system and there can be a disconnect between all our other forms of intelligence. That's the way I would put it. So, I mean, you've worked, you found your way into somatic work, which very much illuminates the fact that the body is intelligent mm. beyond the mind, you know. Mm. And uh, just recently I, I had a live masterclass with a group of members in my Spirited Living membership and we had a, a Luke Tan, who's a, breath, um, a functional breath work expert facilitated and he took us through a 90-minute process online on Zoom of working with different breathwork sequences to create a huge release somatically, mm-hmm. even if intellectually we didn't really understand what it was, yep. yeah. and then reset with higher vibrations of gratitude and excitement. And we had, uh, I don't know, about 20 people on the call. Um, every single person had a huge experience mm-hmm. with working with the intelligent function of the breath in the body. Yeah. And um, I think we can sometimes when we're separated within ourselves, if we're so loaded in and and we've successfully bulldozed our way through life through intellect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, we can tend to either dismiss these other forms of intelligence that we're innately designed with as well. Uh, that being our emotional intelligence, our body intelligence, and and also I would say in finer degrees, which requires cultivation to access, but our energetic intelligence, the way the resonance of our system signals information to us, Mm -hmm. and our psychic intelligence as well. So we're all born with it. It's within our design, but I think the way that we're raised and hopefully what we're talking about is that it's changing, but the way of the world and the paradigm of self and how we're designed um, is starting to broaden. But I think we're funneled into this very limited idea of who and what we are. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how uh, that judgment we tend to have about different aspects of ourselves because either they can't be measured, we've never really learned about them, um, can really exclude us from the intelligence of those. And, And one good example is when your body signals an illness. And we even call it an illness. We call it a disease, you know, and we call we think that something's broken. But within the energy arts, we see that as the intelligence of the body signaling a big misalignment that hasn't been picked up through more subtle messaging over the years. And eventually the body sort of screams at you. Yeah. You see that as, as part of your journey as well, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that... Um, you know, my, my cancer, it was five years ago now. And I think that now looking back, yeah, I can see different signs that there were there because, you know, a lot of people, they, they will fall ill all of a sudden and say, well, I don't have any genetic disposition to this. They'll look for all the, the medical reasons. I don't yeah. have any predisposition to this, this type of thing. And yet it's happening to me. And yeah. so I think upon reflection, um, thinking about the different triggers or you can never you can never pin it down to one thing of course yeah. but you can going forward I think it's not always a forensic investigation no. but going forward for the rest of my life I believe that living a more balanced and a bit more spiritual life yeah. will be better for me in yeah. the future you know and yeah. even my oncologist once said you know yeah you know reduce your stress yeah. <laughs> like that's one of the main things yeah d- diet, do all the treatments, but reduce your stress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's largely down to how you perceive yourself and how you perceive life, you know, and there, there's beautiful traditions from around the world, which we would call spiritual traditions like shamanism, for example, and and shamanism is a very general term because there's lots of different iterations of that from different cultures through time. But there does seem to be this commonality around finding ways to live in harmony 
non-judgment. Yeah. You know, um, being in the moment, receiving what is without judgment and responding to it with some discernment, you know, because it seems to be that when we hold a judgment about an event, a person, ourselves, what naturally comes with that judgment is an attachment Mm -hmm. to either how it should be or an aversion to how it is, attachment and aversion being the same, two different sides of the same coin. And that's where the suffering comes from. That's where the stress responses come from. And so I, I think there's a there's a huge amount in exploring perspectives. I call it with my clients perspective play. Mm-hmm. So if you've got an event in your life which is causing a dissonance in your system, yeah, okay, you don't like it, rather than judging it in defence attack mode, it's really worth looking at it and going, how can I cooperate with this? Mm-hmm. What's it bringing into my awareness? And this feeling of dissonance is telling me something about what I'm holding inside, whether it be an attachment, a judgment, an erroneous belief about the situation. It always starts with us. And just this constant inquiry of how can I cooperate with this, like you did with your cancer. Mm -hmm. How can I cooperate with this event? And, uh, you know, in one of my courses, which I'm rewriting at the moment called Shapeshifting, that, that's one of the axioms we follow. So mm-hmm. rather than going into causality, which is very Freudian depth psychology, we, mm-hmm. and which is interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why do I have a distrust of, or why do I keep going for non-available men? Well, my father was a non-available man, you know, that sort of yeah. thing. So you go, you track back to find out where it comes from. Yeah which is interesting and, and uh, but it can be a slightly slippery slope because you can very easily then blame external events mm-hmm. for your current situation, which doesn't put you in a place of empowered choice and intentional choice. I much prefer the Carl Jung approach, which is the teleological approach, which mm-hmm. is to follow the telos. Where's it taking you? Mm-hmm. So this event has arrived in your life. It's created a, a ripple in your life, that's probably a, a very mellow word for a diagnosis for cancer, but it's, it's disrupted your status quo. Mm-hmm. Where's it taking you? And where? how can you follow it with a harmonious attitude, with a cooperative attitude yeah. to create change? And um, that's very basic within spiritual inquiry is to remove the judgment that something is wrong and to find a perspective where you can hold events, relationships or whatever, whatever it is that's created a disruptor in your life as an opportunity to change and to transform. Yeah. And so that takes cultivation because our survival mode is immediately like yeah. defend, retract, attack, whatever it is. Yeah. And that's why regular meditation is super important. So we talk about regular meditation as it reduces stress, it does. Mm -hmm. It improves sleep, it does. It improves immune immune function, it does. It does all of that. Um, It reshapes the brain in in five measurable different ways. So regular meditation helps your body heal and be well for a start. And your body naturally responds in those lifeward ways, which kind of tells us that we are designed with the ability to meditate because it is a pillar of our well-being, just by observing how the body responds to it, regular practice. Mm -hmm. But what meditation really does cultivate, which is I think where the game is, is psychic space Mm -hmm. to be able to observe these shifts in energy, how the interface with life is affecting you, and make intentional choices with discernment rather than react. Yes. And then when you move into that more responsive mode in life, in my observation and definitely with my students and what I write about in my book, is you then start to operate very differently with life itself. So you become connected, much more connected with life and you have the psychic space to be able to observe that the phenomenon that you're experiencing within your life experience is directly related to your beliefs and your patterns and what you're holding within and your perspectives. Yeah, yeah. So this is fascinating to me because I think if I was to just start with some simple breathwork exercises or meditation, 
But, and I know you said, you know, it's not always helpful to go back and track back and do all the causality analysis and everything, but aren't there some things we have, we have to know what to unlearn in a way, it, but, or shall we just start breath work and that will be enough? Everyone's different. Mm. And, and certainly in the area of trauma, for example, so like severe childhood trauma, which is vastly affecting the adult today, then there, there absolutely is some, you know very, very good, very effective psychological protocols of going back into that, mm-hmm. like uh, EMDRs one, for example, where yeah. you go back into the causal event and you heal it and you reframe it and then that plays out. And I, I know I'm not for the EMDR specialists out there. I know I'm not explaining <laughs> that very well. But interestingly, that uses the bilateral movement of the brain to be able to do that and mm-hmm. to reprogram, you know. So there is sort of a an energetic element to EMDR. But I had this conversation with someone the other day and we were saying, you know, can you heal just by making the choice to heal without understanding necessarily what brought you to that place? Now, if you're healing from something which is lifestyle caused, of course you need to change your lifestyle. You know, of course you do. Mm -hmm. But if you're changing your trajectory, if you really want to change the person that you are and how you're interfacing with life, that's a choice right there and then. Yeah. And there's so much power in our choices. That's why I love your mantra because every moment is a choice. Mm. But when we make a choice, when you think about what we're doing, when we say, I am going to choose love today, for example, Mm -hmm. when we make a choice, we've got a vision of it. So we can kind of see the benefit of it. We've got a desire. We've got a longing for it. Otherwise, we wouldn't make a choice. Mm -hmm. And we've got an expression of our will by making that choice. Now, in esoteric practice, Mm -hmm. our vision, our desire and our will, when they're aligned, create. They're creative. And that's the basis of the, you know, the very famous Aum mantra, Mm-hmm. It runs three sounds through those centers to bring alignment. Aum mantra is a manifestation mantra. Mm. And so a choice contains the three most potent creative forces that a human being can emanate into their life. It all happens in a choice. Otherwise, you wouldn't make the choice. Yeah. And so a lot of what I work with with my clients is how do we get alignment between what they're visioning for how they want to be, their degree of desire and longing, and and that sometimes that needs clearing up because mm-hmm. a lot of people think they desire something, but they've got a secret fear that when they're actually experiencing, what's that going to do to my life yeah. or my relationships yeah. or whatever? Relatable. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it does because it means you're going to be a different person. You're evolving. Yeah, and we build a lot of identity and story on who we were and relationships as well. So it can be quite scary for people. It's a bit existential. But I think when you unpack and you have tools for visioning, for tapping into your desire and for tapping into your will and then culminating that in an action choice, Mm -hmm. you see movement straight away. And you see movement within yourself and then as as a sort of extrapolation of that, you start to see different pathways, different opportunities, different types of people arrive into your life. So, and I'm sure I I can see you nodding. So I'm sure when you made a choice to heal and live your purpose, which is really what you've done, did you find that your relationship field changed? New friends came in, different relationships took on different context. It's probably the most fundamental thing that changed. Interesting. Because I, I did leave my corporate career. I, I left an unhappy marriage and everything yeah. at all at the same time. So it was a big transition. And I took a year off. And while I did do some kind of creative things and tapped into other all these kind of interests that I did, hadn't had before, the most fundamental thing was the people I started to attract around me. Yep. And the people who I found myself around yep. by pursuing all these different things. And it was... It felt like the most durable part of my sabbatical, yeah. you know, beyond the, the interesting thing, the books I read or the kind of um, the places I went was 
the shift in the energy of the people around me from very corporate, you know, you, you work in a corporate job, your friends are mainly corporate people, you know, or you're the, the other parents of your, you know, your kids, friends and stuff like that. And when I started hanging out with more creative people, people who were freelancers or kind of following their passion, it was a whole different energy. And I thought, wow, you know, that's, that's the thing I'm most grateful for. And that I think is, like I said, the most durable and lasting thing. Yeah. The sabbatical ends, but those relationships have fundamentally changed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a nourishing and feeding your creative pursuits now as well. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that is sort of how we continue through life is as within us, we transform and we unfold and we expand as well because I, it's a harmonic resonance thing. Mm. So, you know, we've got these really gorgeous bumper stickers like your vibe attracts your tribe, but I re- that is a principle. That's yeah. a principle. And um, I see it and I even see it in my work, you know. So mm. the more the more I move into the energy arts, which is just intriguing to me and, um, you know, Reiki healing, energy healing, psychic work, following intuition, um, really understanding what faculty of the mind that is and how it can be cultivated. The more interesting people as well come into my life, including excellent content and teachers, Mm -hmm. but also the more complex the healing cases are that come in through the doors of the healing room, which I find is really interesting as well, because I don't advertise at all. I never have. So it's all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But there is, there's definitely a resonance shift in the complexity of the healing requests as I move further and further into well, what is spirit really? Like, what is it really? And I know that it's an intrinsic part of me. I know that it's largely not measured. I know that the way that my spiritual aspect speaks to my awareness so I can understand it is in a mnemonic language. So it's not Mm. a linear, critical, alphabetical language. It's in a mnemonic language of symbol and metaphor and synchronicity and very much sensation. And so the ability through meditation and breath work and and also other spiritual pursuits like yoga and I used to, I was huge in yoga, I don't do it anymore, I'm Mm -hmm. sort of, I'm into strength training now, but (laughs) but tapping into the intelligence of the body and the intelligence of that, that resonance within your system allows you then to access that mnemonic language of spirit and having that psychic space which you carve when you have a regular inner practice allows you to also see synchronicity in your life. So I'm referencing Carl Jung because I absolutely love Carl Jung. I'm doing a lot of studies in the, at the School of uh, Applied Jungian Psychology and because that fascinates me. And I, I love the overlap with Jungian psychology and, uh, and spirituality and esoteric practice as well. But mm-hmm. But what the law of synchronicity is really saying to us, and you do need to have presence and sort of space in your mind to be able to perceive it, but it's happening around us all the time. And that is that essentially phenomenal life, what we experience is meaningless. Essentially it's meaningless. So what brings it to bear and have meaning in our lives is the meaning we assign to it. And so... If you, for example, have an inner inquiry of, um, I was speaking with one of the executives on my co- group coaching call only this morning before I came here, which was why I was a bit late, and and she was talking about how she's she's just had this attained this fantastic new job which she'd been working on with me. Um, it's everything that she wanted, and she's realised now that her current inquiry is how does she embody good good leadership. So how to be, you know, a good leader. And when I say a good leader, what I mean is uh, compassionate, inspires the group to do its best, Mm -hmm. um, engenders loyalty, all of the stuff that we now know what LinkedIn talks about every day about what great leadership is. And and she's learnt that that's her inquiry. Mm -hmm. And what we were talking about is when you establish that inner inquiry within your meditation, if you take it into your inner ground, Mm -hmm. The law of synchronicity 
will make it flash up all around you. Mm. And, and everyone experiences this, but they don't really go into it that much, I find, unless they're in a spiritual inquiry where you'll go, she'll, she'll start to meet amazing leaders. She'll happen upon a podcast where yep. she's super inspired by one particular leader and how they speak. She'll start to, her external reality will respond to the resonance of her inquiry. And, and that's why, you know, the, that, that, that's the meaning of that beautiful esoteric saying, as within, so without, as above, so below. Our, if you're thinking in terms of vibes, vibration, our inner vibrational reality and our outer vibrational reality are also one self-organizing system. Yes, yes. It is something I have noticed as well is that, I mean, I'm a recovering control freak. Me too. <laughs> I, used, I used to think that in order for things to go my way, yep. I had to control all the variables, all the elements. And, and of course, a, an experience like cancer teaches you that you don't control a lot of things actually. Yeah. Um, but once I started to think a bit more intentionally and sur- surround myself with different people, all of a sudden these serendipitous things started happening. Yep. And I thought, well, wait, you know, I didn't, I didn't make that happen, yep. but yet it's happening. And I think that it was, it was probably partially a, like you're talking about the synchronicity, but also being more observant of it. I think how yep. many, how many kind of opportunities pass us by because we're so focused or, you know, we have our blinders on. Yep. And they just pass us by on a daily basis. Yeah, we don't perceive them. Yeah, and that was my point. I think it's yeah. happening all the time yeah. because I think inner and outer are one thing. And, you know, I mean, if I was to express what you've just said in a slightly different way mm-hmm. is that those ser- serendipitous, <laughs> serendipitous <laughs> opportunities and that, and that beauty came into your life and that anticipate anticipation and also those invitations to move forward mm-hmm. because you chose to internally. You chose beauty. You chose wellness. Yeah. You chose to live and move forward yeah. and your life responded to that choice. It's like a mirror. So I've got a chapter in my book called The Magic Mirror of Life and it mm. talks about this. And I think we look for the breaks in the external reality, forgetting that we're it's, it's not happening to us. It's, it's coming from us and it's happening for us. Mm. So the way I try to describe this with some of my clients is like it's a little bit like you're looking at life, you're looking at your reflection in a mirror and you're waiting for your reflection to smile at you first. Ooh. It's a good one, isn't I it? I like that. Yeah. And so it's round the wrong way. And yeah. so the primary and always the initial move whenever you're looking to transform anything is to go within Mm. and not judge without. You've got to go within. Yeah. And I think, and you're right about there is the ability to perceive the synchronous patterning around you and there's also the ability to intentionally choose to resonate and roll in different ways. And both those abilities need to be cultivated. Yeah. And both those abilities can be cultivated if you have mastered your mind-body complex. That's the start. And your emotions. You need to have space and your system needs to be regulated to be able to perceive yeah. and to be able to intentionally choose. Otherwise, you're just reacting. Yep. Absolutely. So say someone came to you or, you know, we're talking right now to a listener who has never meditated or done breath work or anything. What would you consider a good introduction for someone? I would definitely start with pranayama breath work. So pranayama, there's lots of different forms of breath work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's um, halotropic breath work, there's breath work for pain relief, there's breath work for all sorts of stuff, like what we did with Luke Tan just this week. It's incredibly powerful, mouth breathing. Mm-hmm. Pranayama is nasal breathing and it works with different sequences of the breath, which we can control, which is also interesting. Mm-hmm. 
the breath is the only aspect of the autonomic nervous system that we actually can control. Now, Mm -hmm. is that a random fluke in natural design or is there a reason for it? (laughs) I'd say the latter. And pranayama is about regulation of the nervous system, synchronisation of the brainwave patterning, circuit-breaking prolonged stress response so you can heal. That's the first thing that it does and it's measurable. And that includes all of the parasympathetic uh, systems that are governed by that side of the nervous system, which is your sleep, your digestion, um, your your libido and your sensory intelligence. So Mm -hmm. what pranayama does, and prana means energy and yama means the breath. So it's working with the breath to manipulate different resonant states of energy in your system, basically, is what Mm. it is. There's thousands of different kinds of pranayama, but they are based on very, very old wisdom and technology and they work. It's measurable. So that's where I would start. I'd Mm -hmm. get a good teacher, get some good guided tracks until you learn and you've got a familiarity with the the breath work Mm -hmm. and you have to do it every day. But it doesn't have to be a lot. Right. 10, 15 minutes every day, very rapidly, if you commit to it, the practice starts pulling you Mm. because your system can feel the innate benefit of it. You're sleeping better. Your emotional regulation's better. So your scene is better with your peeps around you. Um, You start looking better because, and that's largely because of reduced stress hormone in your blood. Yeah. Um, And then you start responding to life very differently. Yeah. And, And then you're away. From there, it changes. A different company comes in, different opportunities open up. You're able to track synchronous patterns, which gives you an intuitive lead as to what, where to follow. Yep. And you're also able to sense when your energy's diving. Mm-hmm. So you know when you're in a situation where it's not 100% truthful and you can feel it. You mm-hmm. can feel the energy dipping, getting more dense, getting heavy. It gets heavy. It feels heavy. It can be subtle. Yeah. If you're in a situation which is linked to your highest possibility, which is vibing with who you're choosing to be, you feel lighter, you feel anticipation, you feel a little bit of excitement. I I think they call it glimmers now. That's a trigger or a glimmer, right? You feel a glimmer. I call them the fizzies (laughs) (laughs) where you get a little woof through your energy body. That ability to discern shifts in your energy body becomes your main compass for the decisions that you make, the company that you keep, the content you're ingesting, even food, you know. Your system, your energy body signals to you constantly Mm -hmm. what's in your highest interest and what isn't, even for reasons you may not cognitively understand. Yeah. And I believe you do get to a point where that's the only thing you listen to. Yeah. I think it's interesting when I first started doing some breath work, I I was skeptical because like I said, I was highly rational and everything. And for me, measurement is a big thing. I like to be able to observe Mm -hmm. actual impact as well. So when I found that I was doing some breath work and I could measure my heart rate going down, yeah, yeah, that was the first, that was the baby step, right? That was, but I could see my heart rate going down. And different breathing techniques, box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing or all these different techniques. I could do different things to my heart rate depending on how I breathed. And I I thought that that was my, it was that first little, okay, this, this might work. Something's happening. Something's happening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you're, you're not going to dive into all this. If you're a skeptic, you're not going to dive on all this energy body and, you know, all this advanced stuff, but. Try that little yeah, breath work. The, the old the Apple Watches. Yeah. See, see what happens. Yeah, they're great. You know, now I love measurement too. Yeah. So I've just finished a five week breath work quest with the Spirited Living members mm-hmm. in my community. Mm-hmm. And with all of these experiments that we're doing, we've got pre and post measurement. Yeah. It's subjective. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find a well being index that didn't require a piece of kit. So I created one. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple uh, system of just scale rating how you are on key metrics of health and emotional regulation and so on. And and we did that. And also pain in the body, your immune function, how often do you get sick, that sort of stuff. And we've finished the five-week breathwork quest. They've just done the post-measurement. The needle shifts are huge. Mm. And that was just 
15 minutes a day every day for five weeks. Within about three weeks, we started getting reports back from members that their um, resilience has really kicked in. They're not getting entangled in drama so much. They're seeing it. Sleep was the big one. People were sleeping much more deeply. They woke up feeling much more nourished. We had people realising that they'd never really breathed properly at all. So Mm -hmm. there was breath awareness came in even off the mat and during the day and people spontaneously taking moments to regulate their system with a couple of deep breaths, even if it wasn't one of the formal practices. Uh, it, It was just incredible. And after about three, and also physical pain release, which is really interesting, which is also a function of inflammation, which is linked to stress hormones. So that was within about three weeks, five weeks, huge needle shifts. And, uh, but in between every, that we were getting photos on in the group of people with their Apple watches, actually looking at what was happening to their HRV, their heart rate variability during the practice and just red zones going to green. And and that was very encouraging. It was really great that they were sharing their shots of that, you know, because it buoyed us all along going, well, the system responds in positive lifeward ways to regular meditation and breath work. It just does. Yeah. And I think breath work's a great starting point for somebody who's never meditated because it regulates your nervous system and your brainwave patterning in a way that you can then move into perhaps more complex meditations like contemplative meditations or mantra meditations or mudra meditations, which are, again, manipulating energy but in more subtle forms and perhaps in ways that we're not used to feeling. So the breath work's a start. And what I do every day is five or ten minutes of breath work and then another practice. So mm-hmm. I, I, it's kind of like my warm-up before, I, before yeah. I go into whatever practice I'm exploring. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked a little bit about your community. Yes. So you, you have written a book, but you've also kind of formed a community, uh, a global community, I, I imagine. Yes. Of people kind of involved in, in are they involved in your workshops or are they in specific programs? Yes, yeah, so it's a it's it's called the Spirited Living membership. It's a membership model, mm-hmm. um, and I launched it only in September, and we've we've had a beautiful response to it. So we've got this lovely large group of um, spirit seekers, we call mm-hmm. them, and the idea of Spirited Living is to provide curated journeys that we do together to help each other because it's quite difficult when you're a solo practitioner like it's like going to the gym right you might start out and go yeah I'm going to go every day and then and then then you don't January 1st (laughs) but if if you've got a group there that's gently keeping some accountability you tend to do it Um, and then once you're in the habit of doing it you do it because you can feel the benefits you can see the benefits of it so we started with a five-week breathwork quest, but we've got lots of different content and we've got masterclasses with different experts in all different areas mm-hmm. of, um, of spiritual inquiry. So we've got journaling experts. We've got I've got my Lakota teacher, Gentle Eagle, coming in next month to talk about the archetype of white buffalo calf woman and the lessons from that 2,000-year-old story mm-hmm. and how we can apply them today. Uh, what else have we got? We've got some research. You'd like these ones. We've got research-based booster modules, I call them. So they're three mm-hmm. weeks of a menu of practices but themed. And so the first booster module that's dropping next month is exploring self-esteem. Mm. And it's research-based. And so we're looking at what are different practices that energetically affect the centre in the system that governs our self-esteem. Yeah. physically, emotionally, energetically. Mm. And we've got energy practices with that. We've got um, different menu of actions, mini actions you can take during the week that are proven to have an effect on your self-esteem and how you see yourself. And we've got pre and post measurement of that. Mm. Um, there's group coaching. There's all sorts of stuff. But the, the premise of the, of the membership, and, and anyone can join at any time, is to join a group of people who are interested in exploring this side of themselves beyond the psychophysical. And I produce content and guided tracks and the stuff that I love because I love the creating um, to enable them to do that and open up a forum for sharing and discussion. And it's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful so far. I mean, it's only, it's only just started, but um, we, we're seeing some healing and some shifts. And these people are all around the world. So it's in their home, in their life, yep. 
but it's through the community and connection that um, they're making changes in their life. It's, um, it's gorgeous to witness. And you mentioned your tracks. I mean, I've listened to some of your tracks on your, I know you're on Insight Timer. I am, yeah. Are you on any other platforms? Or? Uh, the, the guided meditation tracks are principally Insight Timer, both the standard free and I'm now producing tracks for the subscribed mm-hmm. edition of that. Yep. For the pre- I think it's called Insight Timer Premium. Um, originally, I started putting some of my guided meditation albums on Spotify, mm-hmm. but I find it easier to now keep them all in one place. But what I do do, though, is I, uh, which I love doing as well, I work with a fantastic musician in Australia called Sam Jewell, and um, we we compose the each track is a, is a bespoke piece of music which is specifically composed for the intention for the track. Yeah. And, uh, and there are binaural beats in there and hertz frequencies, mm-hmm. so it really facilitates the experience of the meditation. But every now and then we pick the instrumental track from one of those guided pieces, put in a cool beat, run over some new sounds, and we relaunch it as like a cool Sunday lounge track. <laughs> there on Spotify. <laughs> That's so um, cool. Yeah, it is. It's fun, you know, because all of the sort of sound technology is in the track, but we just make it like something that you play when you've got your friends around for a barbecue or something, yeah. you know. And uh, um, so I, I need to do more in that area. But I think Insight Timer is a great platform for me. Um, the the standard edition's all free. You just download the app and yeah. you can stream them for free. I like the functionality of the app as well. You can search up stuff like I need. I want to explore my sleep. What are meditations are good ones there for sleep? So that's it's easy for users. And then for the mem- for Spirited Living members, I'm also producing new tracks, which are member only tracks. Sure. Because I just love doing it and. Uh, I did a beautiful one yesterday called um, Ancestral Fire and yeah. tapping into a visualisation that, you, you know, you're the product of all the people that have gone before you and yeah. uh, and you inherit, and we know this anyway through genetic studies and DNA studies and so on, that we, we inherit a lot of stuff, but we tend to focus on the trauma that we inherit mm. and and the suffering and the and the fear that we inherit, but we also inherit all the smarts. Yeah. There's nothing that we're doing in our life today that hasn't been done by one of our many, 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 many ancestors in some way, shape or form. And within our DNA is the wisdom and the ability to do it again. And so we're do- I, I created a track around that, which I can't wait to give to members. <laughs> I was loving it. It's very fun. I, I think that's a, um, it, it's a, Something I've been thinking about a lot is is kind of when you talk about choices and and responding is that all of this all of this work you know whether you're taking a whole sabbatical whether you're just starting with meditation or breath work it doesn't mean that you're going to live the rest of your life in a state of bliss happy nothing can touch you stuff still happens you know shit still yep. happens but the transformation I feel is how you respond absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love that because yeah. it doesn't, you don't get, you know, this misperception that means Danielle's a happy person every day, Eric yeah. is a happy person every day. It's not. But, yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. And I, it's I, that inner response, right? It's that inner response and that ultimate empowerment. Yeah. That you're reading your system, you're reading life accurately and you're choosing to respond with a, a lovely number of tools that you've got in your toolkit. Yeah. And and I agree. It's not meditation is not a destination. And and that kind of narrative I really arc at. And I call it out as well, mm-hmm. you know, on my TikTok stuff and the blogs I write and so <laughs> and also in my podcast too. I call that out because I think it I think it's not useful where you've just got to learn to meditate just to say that you can tick that box, that you're a meditator. I don't agree with that. Meditation is not the end game, nor is yoga, nor is journaling. It's not the end game to be able to just say, I'm a journaler. These are enablers. These are enablers for us to live consciously. And when we live consciously with a full experience of our full design, which Mm -hmm. is body, mind, emotion, energy, and spirit, mm-hmm. we can live well. Yeah. And we can come into an awareness as well, which I think ultimately is where spiritual 
spirituality leads us is that we are not disconnected from nature and from each other. And so time and time again over the years that I've been in this arena, people eventually do move to some form of service like you. Mm. So you're producing content, you're opening up access for your listeners to tap the minds of different people. That's a service. Yeah. And both you and I know we're not going to retire on our podcast income, are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, but but it does, it generates interest in it, of course, it attracts mm-hmm. people to you and to your mind and your offering. But you do come to that at some point because I think what naturally happens is when you're living in harmony with yourself and if you're living in harmony with your life, the natural extension is, is to... Uh, your consciousness shifts around the nature of life and you start to understand that we are all one interconnected movement. We're all a process and we might be unique refractions in that, but we we are absolutely not bespoke. Absolutely. And and that's the thing that I have found amongst every single guest I've had who is living intentionally you know, from whatever kind of domain they're in, whatever kind of choices they make, is that it's not just for them because Mm. they're impacting other people in a positive way. And I think that's the same thing, whether you call it service, whether you just call it impact, is that when you, and I've, there's another lovely woman who I, I really admire named Natalia Rachel. I think her tagline is, you know, heal your trauma and change the world. Yep is that by working on yourself, you will, like you just said, you will gravitate towards service. You will in some way impact others. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what we talked about earlier about this harmonic resonance, you know, mm-hmm. where we, what we're putting out, what we're resonating with is impacting the whole, just as we are impacted by the whole. You know, I yep. did a, um, I did a little Instagram 10 minute thing the other day and it went viral because I was making a comment about how what my choice is in response to what's going on in Gaza, where I don't have a personal relationship with, but I'm deeply impacted by it. Mm-hmm. And my take on it was to look at conflict or harmony as archetypes mm-hmm. that ripple through us individually, but that also ripple through the world. And our only personal response to when we see we ha- we're experiencing world anxiety and conflict is to examine within our own lives, within ourselves, what space am I making for harmony? What space am I making for conflict? And I think if enough of us do that, there's an impact. Yeah. And, uh, and that really struck a note with people because I think a lot of people currently with world events are feeling very helpless. You know, they're feeling very useless. But what I'm also observing is a little bit more conflict around me. Mm-hmm misunderstandings and, and, and so on. And I'm thinking, so I think conflict is like an archetype. I think it yeah. does ripple through the individual and the collective. And so therefore we're participating. Yeah. Even if it feels like on the other side of the world. Right. And there is something we can do about it. We can intentionally choose harmony, even if that means walking away. So it doesn't mean all love and light beams and being best friends with everyone. If you're in a situation where it cannot be transmuted right now is to be kind and just walk away from it rather than engage in conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the response rather than the reaction. Yep. Which is what it all comes back to. Yep. It does. I wanted to ask you something about you personally, because I mean, I know you've, you've studied so many of these different traditions and philosophies and everything. If I were to hold two words on opposite ends of a spectrum, <laughs> a healer and a searcher, where would you place yourself? Do, you, do you think you're a healer or a searcher? I, I actually think they're one and the same thing. Mm, tell me more about that. Because I think as we search and as we expand our understanding of our true nature and of life, we heal. Mm-hmm. But I would say I'm primarily a searcher. Mm. You know, if if I was to look at the personality trait within me from when I was a little girl, it, it was, I mean, of course, I, I picked the butterflies out of the swimming pool so they didn't drown. And like, so there's always been that aspect, <laughs> especially with nature, with me, you know, I could never go past an injured bird or anything like that. But um, I've always been searching right from the get-go. So I grew up in a Catholic family as well. And mm-hmm. 
I had too many questions that, you know, it made everyone very uncomfortable, especially the nuns at school. You know, I just had so many questions. Something didn't make sense to me or if it just felt wrong, I'd ask. And and I think that's what sort of, that motivates me because I, I don't think we ever arrive on that either. Yeah. I don't think we ever really arrive on fully getting a human mind around the nature of consciousness, for example, Mm. even though we are an expression of consciousness. And I find the inquiry just delicious. So I'd say searcher and part of my searching journey has brought me into the um, energy arts and energy healing and that's Mm. where I've been for probably, I guess, the last decade. Um, But that's expanding and evolving and teaching me more and more things about the nature of the body and the art art of transferable energy Mm -hmm. through intention and how our thoughts impact that transferable energy. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Because you you have a a background in a corporate, like you said, Mm. financial services, I think. Yeah, I do. And that transition, that transition happened when? Oh, it was a long time ago now. It was uh, over, well, my son's, let me do the calculations, probably about 25 years ago. But what led to that for me was, and I had a fantastic career. I absolutely loved my career. You know, I was uh, was working in financial industry. I was working in the property industry. I was working in capital raising for the first real estate investment trusts, you know, in the UK and Mm -hmm. so on. It was, I loved it. And I was good at it too. But the further I progressed in my career, the less meaning it was having for me and the further away I felt I was moving from what my innate purpose was. But I didn't have a clear understanding of what my purpose was, but I, I knew more and more it wasn't what I was doing. Yeah. Or what I was doing wasn't aligning me with it. So... It was a quest for purpose that made me jump out of the corporate plane (laughs) with a parachute and not a map. I really didn't know. (laughs) But serendipitously, you might Mm. say, or synchronistically, you might say, when I made that choice that I was going to free up my time and start the search for my purpose, Mm -hmm. the company restructured and I was offered a redundancy before I, just on the day that I planned to resign. So my initial choice into searching for my purpose and really deeply exploring more of the esoteric that I'm so drawn to from when I was little was financially enabled from the get-go. And I saw that as boding very well that I was stepping on the right path because I was enabled straight away to do it without the pressure of work or of course now I work if you like within the search and I help other people search yeah (laughs) I like that story because it's uh, making a choice making a baby step yep I have found that you know it's easier it's much easier for me to start a podcast if I didn't have a grand plan for what it was going to turn into, it yep. was just record an episode, put it online, record another episode yep. and the path will reveal itself. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah my dad has a, a, a saying, which is similar to that, which is uh, you can't steer a ship unless it's moving. Yeah. You just get on the move. And for some people that baby step might need to be a tiny, tiny baby step. Like mm-hmm. it might be, going out after our coaching session, buying a new journal and starting to mind map what it could look like. Mm -hmm. That's a choice. Mm -hmm. And that releases energy and movement within that direction. You know, so that could be the baby step. Yeah. The baby step for someone who's listening to this talk might be at the end of it to download Insight Timer app and just have it on their phone. Yeah. That's a step. Yeah. But each step releases energy, which is patterned, to a certain frequency into their life, which their life will meet, their yeah. life will rhyme with. Yes. You know, a magical practice, we have a saying, if we want to get super spooky on this stuff, which I love too, is... It's almost Halloween. The, yeah, it's almost <laughs> Halloween. All right, I'm a, I've got license, thanks. I've got permission <laughs> that the anima mundi loves a rhyme. The anima mundi being the soul of the world. So being the, another way of saying that would be the intelligence of our experienced reality. Mm. It loves a rhyme. 
and it will rhyme with what we're putting out through our choices. And if our choices are at this congruency with our visioning, our desire and our will, which culminates in a choice, mm-hmm. it's a clear rhyme. Yeah. So it's quicker. You'll see the response and yeah. these what we call, what we've been calling in this chat, serendipitous opportunities, mm-hmm. they come in quicker. Yeah. So this is really, you know, the sort of the principles of conscious creation, but it's also one of the reasons why the old vision boards and positive affirmations don't necessarily work on their own. I think you need yeah. an understanding of what we're talking about to really be able to do it, but I think we're designed to do it. Yeah. We're creative by nature. Yeah. And that applies in booking a studio and, and bringing in people who you want to talk to on the ground, but also energetically. We mm-hmm. are creating all the time. Mm. So the... I guess the invitation is, is just to do it consciously rather than unconsciously. I, I'm just uh, feeling like this whole conversation in a way has been a synchronous one yeah. and a serendipitous one because, I mean, you and I know each other, but we didn't come in with a whole uh, a plan no. for what exactly what we are going to talk about or anything. Agree. And there was kind of yeah. a direction there. And yet we, we've come, you know, full circle and, and talked about both you and what people can do to start to make those baby steps if they're curious, you know, Um, because I think that that curiosity is, is something that is growing within people. And I think if you just take a baby step, it's not scary. It doesn't mean, you know, if you're a corporate leader, it doesn't mean you have to all of a sudden go on these shamanic (laughs) (laughs) shamanic journeys or anything. Disappear into a cave for years. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. it is, and it's holding the perspective that this is a, another dazzling form of intelligence within you mm. that can be explored. Yeah. It operates very differently to our measurable, linear, dualistic intelligence, yep. but it's equally as part of us, and I think we operate best when we have an understanding of our whole range of senses. Absolutely. I, I feel just richer and fuller as as a result of this conversation, Danielle. Yeah, me so. too. <laughs> it's good to see you again. <laughs> so I want to I want to just thank you so much for coming in and talking to me and the listeners, you know, because I think they're yeah. the, they're the real beneficiaries of this, and um, for talking to us and just giving us permission, you know, giving everyone permission to take that first baby step. Absolute pleasure, Erica. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening today. I hope this has been a useful investment of your time. If you feel inspired by this episode, please rate it and consider subscribing. I'm keen to know how it's impacted you.